going to talk about a subject that's so big, let it go, let it go. Sometimes we hang on to things that destroy us. We hug them. We kiss on them. We love them, but they destroy you. There's many things in life that you can hang on to, and it'll destroy you. When I, was in, when I was a young man, raised by a Christian mom and dad, loved the Lord, went to Independent Fundamental Baptist Church my whole life since I was two years old. I got saved when I was five years old and uh, reconfirmed my salvation at 12 years old and then dedicated my life to live for Jesus at 18 years old. So there's steps to that, as you also had some of that. I had done some really bad things in betraying my parents' trust I'm sure none of you ever did that. I had betrayed my parents' trust as a young man, 13 years old to 18 years old, and really deceived them, disobeyed their word, lied to them. And uh, finally, under 18 years old, I got right with God. I had to go back to my mom and dad and get right about a lot of things. I had broken my mom's heart. I'll never forget my mom crying when I confessed to doing some things that she did not know I did or were doing. I remember her anger at the beginning. My mother had a hot temper. Reminds me of Sandy Atto a little bit. But anyway, uh, <laughs> had a flash-in-the-pan temper. I mean, boom. And she got angry at me. She, then she turned into frustration. Then she began to cry and sorrow. And then forgiveness. That was the steps to it all. She quoted me Ephesians 4.32. She says, I said, of course, I had asked him to forgive me, and she said, I forgive you, Billy. And she quoted him, be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as, those words oftentimes are passed over pretty quickly in that verse, but that's really where you ought to stop. Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Now think about that. You have betrayed God every way you can betray somebody. And yet God is willing to forgive you. That's one of the great things of Christianity. My mother never held those things that I confessed to them against me. Never brought it up again. Never brought it up. Not again. The Bible leaves no room for an unforgiving spirit. There is no room, Christianity, for an unforgiving spirit. If Jesus killed anything, he killed the unforgiving spirit. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21, 35 is our text. If you would take your Bibles or texts or iPhones or whatever. If you see somebody playing video games, I want you to go over there and smack them and then ask forgiveness. I had people come up to me when, when iPhones started. People the, just early on when, when the Bible was on iPhones, and people would come to me and say, Preacher, that guy over there has been playing video games the whole time you've been, you've been preaching. I said, really? Well, I went up to him. I went up, approached him after service. said, well, you're on your phone while I'm preaching. What do you Oh, I said, I got the Bible on my phone, preacher. I don't even bring my Bible anymore. I use my phone. I said, okay. Well, they don't think so. They think you're playing video games. They're about ready to throw you out of here. But anyways, uh, 
Matthew 18, it's a lengthy passage. Let me read quickly. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. Now, that's a lot. Most of you would not even tolerate seven times. You would not even tolerate it. About the third time, you'd say, quit asking me to forgive you. Just quit doing it. That's, that's the pat answer on that whole deal. Jesus said to him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times, seven, 490 times, otherwise basically infinity. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened to a certain king which had taken account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. That's about 12, from what I understood, $12 million in our money. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife to be sold and his children to be sold and all that he had to be sold and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him and said, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. He let it go. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred pence. Now that's about 20 bucks. He laid his hands on him and he took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. I have in my notes here, we're often a whole lot more cruel than God is. A lot more cruel. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Now, that's the same thing he said. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw, that's people around him, saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told under their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called them, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, twenty, all that debt, $12 million, because thou desired me. Sure is not thou also of compassion on thy fellow servant? And there's that even as again, even as I had pity on thee. That is the hinge that all what we're going to say tonight swings on. Forgive even as Christ hath forgiven you. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. I, I say in my notes here, there's a, this is one of the reasons for a whole lot of sickness. People not forgiven folks as children of God because God sends them tormentors. So likewise shall my heavenly Father, this is the application, so likewise my heavenly Father shall do also unto you if ye, and that's plural, from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. It's got to be a real deal. How can I forgive the wrong done unto me? Well, I need to first of all remember how much I've been forgiven. That's the key. You need to rehearse in your mind on a regular basis how much you have been forgiven. The problem is that sometimes we're blind 
to our problems. But we sure can see everybody else's stuff. And so when we think of God's forgiveness, well, you know, I didn't do what Harris did. I mean, man, I wasn't as bad as that guy. Or I'm not as bad as Brother Nod. I mean, man, Brother Nod, he exceeded me. And you always look for somebody who's done something worse than you, but here's what you don't get. Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read it. The best description anywhere in the Bible about the way God sees us. He says, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way, they are altogether become unprofitable, there is none that doeth good, no, not one. Now then he goes, but they don't stop with that. He can stop with that, I'll be good with it. He says, their throat is an open sepulcher. Once in a while I have dead animal at my place. It's a phenomenon of my house. Once in a while I have dead animals. They have lead poisoning. And I don't bury them. I leave them lay because I have a cleanup crew specially designed called vultures that show up at my house. And they have an amazing way to figure out something's dead. I think the smell goes up like this, and they, they wander around up in the sky. They catch the smell, hone down on it, boom, they're there. And I'm telling you, they can clean up a carcass in one, two hours if it's soft enough. These would be a little gushy. But my wife will say to me, man, what is? That smell. We were working the other day uh, over beside the house, and she said, whoa, what is that smell? I said, it's a dead carcass. Man, that's bad. I said, that smells worse than I ever smelled, amen? She said, yeah, that's worse than anything you can smell. That's what God is describing by an open sepulcher. Their throat is an open sepulcher. That's bad breath, brother. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. They want to fight. Destruction and misery are in their ways. It just follows them. And the way of peace have they not known? There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's pretty serious if you ask me. That's God the way he sees us. Actually, if I may say, without him, that is the way we are. God can't lie. He doesn't exaggerate. He's not like we are. He tells the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, clearly, specifically, openly. That's what we are. Now, the Lord Jesus, when he comes to you and offers you salvation, washes you white as snow. Doesn't bring that stuff back up to you. Now, your sin's ever before you, but that's your mind. But Christ himself, once you're forgiven, you're forgiven. He said that is how we are supposed to forgive. Remember, you were hopelessly lost, condemned to an eternal hell. Ephesians 2.12 says for that a time... 
you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. I lay in my bed oftentimes at night and meditate in the night seasons, the Bible talks about. And I lay there and I'm amazed that I got saved. I'm just amazed that I was able to hear about the gospel. I'm just amazed that I was privileged enough to, to sit under a, a man who loved Jesus and preach the, preach the Bible to me. I'm just amazed, almost want to pinch myself, that I've been able to be part of the kingdom of God, as unworthy as I am. We, one of our worst enemies and the most condemned sin in the New Testament, self-righteousness. Matthew 23 is a condemnation of self-righteousness, the Pharisees. Jesus was pretty straightforward, and he was straightforward, but he was pretty kind, really, until he came to the Pharisees, and he got to be an old-fashioned, hellfire, damnation, red-faced Baptist preacher when it came to preaching to the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and Herodians. Why? Because they were self-righteous. And when you in the Bible do not forgive people that offend you or sin against you and come to you, especially come to you and ask forgiveness, and you say, well, who are you talking to, preacher? I, I, don't, I mean, man, I'm not thinking anybody specifically, but in my, my experience counseling, I can tell you people have the brothers they've never forgiven, sisters they've never forgiven, moms they haven't forgiven, dads they haven't forgiven, uh, perpetrators of crimes against them, sexual abuse people they have, they've never forgiven, things that they have unresolved things throughout their whole life, and they've got this whole list of un- people they wouldn't talk to. Uh, they'd walk on the other side of the street if they saw them. not allow your anger over injustice to suppress the anger that you should have for your sins. You should be angry at sin. You should be angry at sin. Sin is, our, is a vile enemy. When you accept Jesus Christ and you trusted him as your Savior, did you accept his forgiveness? Did you? Okay, you accepted his forgiveness. He forgave you $12 million. And your brother does something to you, doesn't talk to you, doesn't do this, doesn't do that, name a thousand other things they may do against you. And they come to you and say, would you forgive me? And you go, I ain't forgiving you. I ain't even going to talk to you. Think of the insult. You grab them by the throat and say, you give me that 20 bucks you owe me. You cheated me one time. You lied to me one time. Your mind will go right to that. Remember what you had to do to get God's forgiveness. You had to ask. You confessed your sins. Yes, you went to him and said, I'm a sinner unable to save myself, worthy of death. In one way or another, you came to meet the gospel heart to heart, and you got saved. You got it. God did not torture you. He did not make you do penance. He did not make you stay so many years in purgatory. Because there is no purgatory. Uh, He did not make you crawl on your knees or pray on the cold asphalt. My wife used to be Roman Catholic. She went into confession. 
He'd say, when's the last time you came to confession? She lied to him, told him she'd been to confession earlier because she knew if she didn't, she would end up, she's back there laughing. She, she, she lied to the guy. Well, I was here last week. He didn't know. He'd say, well, do, you know, say 10 Hail Marys on, on a linoleum floor. Linoleum. You young people don't know what that is, but that's hard flooring. It's, never mind. So linoleum flooring, say 10 Hail Marys. Thank God he doesn't do that to us. He doesn't do that to us. Remember the warning of an unforgiving heart. And the Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors that he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do to you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. That should be enough, and I should be able to stop my message right here and say, then you should be a forgiving soul, one of the most forgiving souls on the planet because of what Christ has done for you. But I'm not going to stop here. I'm going to go on because it's bigger. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Nothing wrong with telling somebody to do right. There's nothing wrong with somebody's doing wrong to go to him and say, hey, you're doing wrong. There's nothing wrong about that a bit. He says if you rebuke him, and if you repent, forgive him. If you trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. Is it in the book or not? Is it not right there? Jesus' words, who was just about ready to lay his life down for our sins. All of those walking around him were full of sin, selfishness, lust, envy, hate, evil thinking, and such. Here was his formula for peace and a new start. If your brother trespass and ask forgiveness, if he trespass, rebuke him, but if he, and if he repents, forgive him. Seven times, one day, keep forgiving him. Don't sit there and say, I'm not going to accept that because you just keep doing the same thing and ask him. How many times have you gone in prayer and asked God to forgive you for something and found yourself two days later doing the same thing and found yourself three days later doing the same thing and found yourself five days later doing the same thing, found yourself weeks later, months later, repeating the same thing, going to him and saying, God, have mercy on me and forgive me. Forgive me for a bad spirit. Forgive me for saying something I shouldn't. Forgive me for thinking that thought. It's repetitive. I don't know about you, but I'm not totally sanctified yet. Of course, you probably know that. I haven't received the second blessing because there is no second blessing of the old Methodist church, old Methodist holiness, second blessing. You came to a place in your spiritual life where shazam, you got the infilling of the spirit to the place you never sinned again. Oh, I wish that was true. But it's not. Now, this sounds excessive, and he's doing it. He's using the literary method of exaggeration. If seven times in one day, I don't know anybody. I've never had anybody do that to me seven times in one day because even they would think it would be absurd to do something against you seven times and come back seven times and ask you to forgive them. They'd even think that was excessive. But what Jesus is using here is a literary device called exaggeration to, to drive the point home. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Hello? But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I have talked to people 
that have had an unforgiving spirit on somebody that had offended them and hurt them for years, 20, 30 years, had not forgiven people. And I said, are you a Christian? Yes. Do you cry, do you cry out to God to ask him to forgive you your sins? He said, yes, I do. I said, he hasn't forgiven any of your sins since you took that unforgiving spirit on a brother or sister. Not any of your sins have been forgiven. Look, it's right there. If you forgive your children. And, and the Lord, the prayer he taught his disciples, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. is clear, right? And they look at me like I'm crazy, like I've lost it. You mean God's not for, He said that if you forgive, forgive me my trespasses. I know every, I pray that prayer on a regular basis, by the way. It's not a bad thing to do. I don't just memorize it. It's not just cold memory. It's real, out of my heart. Forgive me my trespasses. And it's, it's kind of, I don't know about you, but it's a little hard for me to say that. It, when I pray that prayer, it's always a little bit hard for me to say that. Forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. Because I think, man, you know, I may be sh- getting a short end of the stick on that. Because I, have I asked everybody, have I, have I been willing to really forgive everybody that wants to be forgiven that ever, Come and ask to be free. Have I done that? And my mind will go back and say, Lord, if there's anything between anybody between me and someone else that shouldn't be, I want to get right about that because, man, I need the forgiveness of the blood of Christ on a daily washing. I'm not talking about getting saved, unsaved, saved, unsaved. I'm talking about daily washing, foot washing, if you want to call it or what. Well, I've had my sins forgiven, and I sure want to forgive other people. I really do. No penance, no groveling is indicated by Jesus as he teaches this subject. He just said, you ask. Well, they didn't ask in a nice way. Or they weren't humble enough when they asked me. I'm talking about marriage consult. Oh, this is good. Number one reason for divorce, bitterness. Bitterness comes from unforgiving spirit. You didn't have to pay for that. That is the best marriage counsel I could give you. If you, if I could give you a two-minute or one-minute counseling, I only had one minute to say, don't get bitter, forgive each other, everything you do wrong to each other. You mean my husband's going to do wrong to me? Yes, he will. Yes, he has. Are you going to do wrong? Yes, you will. Yes, you have. How do you make it for 50 years being married? You have to have an understanding of what we're teaching here tonight. You have to forgive. How do you have long-term friends? Friends. How do you have long-term friends? You know, I know people that change, they change friends out every so often because they get bitter at them for one reason or another. They get bitter at their friends, and so they change, change. They just keep changing friends. They have friends for 10 years, and then they'll get another set of friends for 10 years, and another set of friends for 10 years, and it's crazy. They can't keep friends for long term. Why? They'll forgive. They get bitter. Well, he did that against me. I can't believe they did it again. Well, believe it. I like brother being this is Bob Morris's birthday today. He learned something by living a little bit. Plus, he's been married. He, 
he dated that wife of his when she was 15 years old, 16 years old. They've known each other for a whole lifetime. Now, I've been around his wife a little bit. And I'm going to tell you, he's got a forgiving spirit. And Brother Bob, he gets in, a, he gets in. he was in business for years too, and you can't be in business without people trying to work you over, jip you, cheat you, lie to you. You know what Bob will say? I'll get over it. Now, it's not real spiritual sounding, but it is real spiritual. Let it go. It isn't worth staying up all night. It's not worth getting ulcers. It's not worth raising your blood pressure because God sends tormentors to those who have an unforgiving spirit. It's three of those things I just mentioned. Sleeplessness, high blood pressure, uh, you know, all kinds of maladies come on your immune system. When you're upset, your immune system goes down. You, didn't know where I, you don't want to know where I got my medical degree now? L-I-F-E. University. I like Isaiah 64, 6 says, We're all as an unclean thing. We're all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Is there anybody that would say or dare to say that doesn't describe them? Because that's what God describes us as. Luke chapter 6, verse 36, 38. Be ye therefore merciful as your Father also is merciful. Judge not that ye be not judged. Condemn not that ye be not condemned. Forgive and ye shall be forgiven. There it is. Again, again. He says it again. Some here may just not be willing to forgive. Preacher, you just don't know how bad this person is has done to me, what he's done to me, or she's done to me. You just don't know. If you knew, preacher, if you knew. Now, I'm, I'm not making this stuff up. People told me this. If you knew how bad these people have hurt me, people have hurt me, and what they've done to me, you'd be like I am. I said, I would not. By the grace of God, I would not. I'd forgive them. Because as long as you won't forgive them, they control you. So your abuser controls you. The very thing you don't want them to be able to do, you want to be free from your abuser, forgive them. I, we had, one time we had five different women who had been sexually abused as a child. In fact, I read statistics about this. One out of four women have been sexually abused some sort of way by cousins or by grandparents or by... Even parents, God forbid. It's hard to get over, no doubt. Usually the person was young, innocent, without authority. And people took advantage of their position. They took advantage of their authority. It's a hideous thing. We had five women come to my office over a period of a couple of three, two, three years, and they said, Preacher, I just got to get past this. And usually women come to this place in their 30s, early 30s. When they're far enough away from it, they feel safe to talk about it. And so they say, Preacher, man, 
I said, well, here's what I'm going to recommend, but you're going to think I'm crazy. I want you to get up in front of the whole church and tell them you were sexually abused as a child or whenever it was. And say in front of the whole church, I forgive my abuser. They did. They did. It was over in McKinney Hall. We were smaller. This place wasn't built yet. And they got free. They got free. They got free. Oh, you say, was that hard to do? Yeah, it's hard to do. But the devil himself is against you getting free. He wants to keep you a slave of your own anger, a slave of your own sense of justice. Oh, uh, you think by being mad at somebody it hurts them? They don't even know you're mad, and they don't even care if you're mad. If you think people think about you a lot, you're egocentric. I think Harold said on his prayer, people really don't think about you much. I'm sorry to say that, but they just don't spend a lot of time thinking about you. I invite you out to eat once in a while just so I can think about you a little bit. Especially if you buy. I'm really thinking good about you. Then I don't know. But I mean, you know what I'm saying about that? Who am I that people want to think about me? Don't you allow the devil to keep you thinking about somebody who's harmed you because you just won't forget them. Somehow you think there's some twisted little thinking method in our, in our mind is that we're going to hurt them. But here's what happens. People begin to enjoy being hateful. This is people don't like to talk about this, but they really enjoy the, the dreaming a hundred different ways how this person could die a miserable death. You say Christians are like that? Are you kidding me? Everybody's like this. But when you forgive them, you quit thinking about the miserable death scenario. And you put them on the cross with Christ. He died for the sins of the whole world. He died for Adolf Hitler's sins if Adolf Hitler would have repented and trusted him. He died for those people in Hamas on October 7th committed those crimes if they would repent and trust Jesus. The blood of Jesus Christ is big enough to cleanse any and all sin. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God knew who we were when he died for us. And I can't. I wish I could sometimes jump out of my skin and, and do a Vulcan mind meld on you. Because it really hurts my feelings to watch people writhe in pain because they won't let it go. Let it go. Father, help us tonight. Deliver your people from the horror of an unforgiving spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, 
or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.